Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 302. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg, the beautiful white shirt, Wilson. Hello. You're all dressed up. Look at you. I gotta gotta get used to dressing up. I'm gonna be part of the media for the next two weeks, so I gotta look presentable. That is true. Presentable. You're gonna be, you're gonna be the star reporter covering the World Juniors. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I I just I just go in there and I'm carrying your your backpack. That's all yeah. I do. Excuse me, Shane. Right now that you're captain of the Canada team, when do you think you'll be captain of Seattle? <laughs> when I can play a few minutes. <laughs> do you think you'll get more minutes with Team Canada than you will with Seattle? <laughs> yes. And then I'll be in the back holding your backpack with the map to how he can become that. Because I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. You look more like boots, though. <laughs> <laughs> Slovakia, no swiping. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Anyway, as we're in the holiday spirit... Clearly, we've been nipping into it the way we've been talking. You can tell we're we're drunk because it's late. Anyhow, this episode, we're going to talk about the debacle that was the Tampa Bay Lightning game. Uh, talk a little bit about call-ups, demotions, injuries, and the honoring of a former player. For those who don't know... We'll get into that later in the show, but for now, we'll just uh, just jump right into the Tampa Bay Lightning game, and wow, was that game ever not fun. Holy crap. It's not that the Canadians were bad. The, it, their, their possession numbers uh, at five on five were pretty good. I mean, overall, through the game, they, pos- they had possession of the puck nearly 60% of the game at five on five. It, it, they controlled it. Once you put the power plays in there, that changed. It became 
the Lightning held the edge at just about 51%. So you can tell where the real issues lie. Well, if you look on social, if I told you there was a person on that team that led the team in shots, Montreal, was second in hits, third in blocks, second in face-off percentage, right? And third in possession, who do you think that player would be? Oh, definitely, you know, one of the greatest players on the team. Uh, it's got to be Caulfield or Suzuki or Slavkovsky or Josh Anderson. It was Jonathan Druin. <laughs> you lie. It's his Jonathan fault. Jonathan Druin. So we know what the real reason was that they lost. But according to social media, Facebook in particular, it was all Jonathan Druin's fault that they lost that game and the game before uh, Facebook, even though we had two points and played a really strong game, except at the end there, when he, the puck bounced over his stick and they got the empty net goal, he cost them the game, even though they were already losing. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> and the Ottawa game where he, they lost the puck at the blue line again, when they had the extra man while they were already losing and they couldn't tie the game. But, uh, so Jonathan Drew, I know you want to say power play, but the real reason, because I read it on Facebook, so it has to be true, is Jonathan Drew. Don't look at his stat. Don't look at his numbers. Don't watch his play, except when he messes up. Don't watch anything good he done, just what he done bad, and, and then you'll know it's Jonathan Drew. I just had well, to get that out. I also heard, I also heard it's his fault for because of all uh, for all the construction in the city and the detours. It is his fault. True. Mr. Four years ago, he was supposed to be an 80-point scorer. And I'm still pissed off that he's not now. I still pissed off at not accepted the fact that he's not now. Yeah, it's true. Now, to be fair, to be fair, to be the fa- fact that he was <laughs> the fact that he was on the blue line at the end of those games, and honestly, he screwed up those two plays. He, he mishandled the puck on those two plays. I place some of the blame on that. Yeah, he should have had those pucks. They weren't, they weren't uh, terrible passes. They didn't bobble. Totally agree. Totally agree. My only questioning is why St. Louis is putting him there. I mean, have him on the ice, but he should be down a little bit lower in. He should have someone that's a little bit more uh, (laughs) non-rusty at the at the blue line. I got an idea. How about don't go down by two or three goals at the beginning of the game and put yourself in a position where you don't need to put him at the blue line at the end of the game as the sixth man to try to score that goal to tie the game. Just Why? Jesus, throwing it out there. <laughs> and that, yeah. that Anaheim game, they, they were they were beyond time. It was, whew, that was bad. Uh, so it was, anyway. anyway, back to Tampa. But, but back to Tampa. <laughs> The power play. So, yeah, I mean, the five-on-five play, the Canadians had solid control. They they generated a lot of shots. Granted, the high-danger chances favored Tampa at five-on-five because the Canadians were doing a lot of peripheral shooting. And I'm going to be honest, with Vasilevsky in that, it doesn't really matter how good your shot is. It's got to be perfect. Like the Suzuki. But, yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. He he had to place that perfectly just to beat him. And and that makes sense. There's a reason why Vasilevsky is an all-star, a Vesda candidate, multiple Stanley Cup winner, the whole nine yards. I get but it. What, what the game did show is exactly really where Montreal is in this rebuild. Yeah. They they're are still rebuilding. They're still rebuilding. They're still a young team. They're still like, I mean, you hear, oh, we got there's so much dead weight. There's this, there's this, there's that. It's a rebuilding team. They're not in a rush to get rid of anybody. You know, they're not. Like, yes, we yes, Huffman needs to go. Yes, Armia needs to go. However, you're not replacing them with anyone that's going to be any much better because you're just going to get someone from Laval. So, like they're not going to trade Huffman and Armia and bring in Connor McDavid. That's not that's that's not how it's going to work. Like they're not going to replace those players with better players right now. What? <laughs> you know, like I get it. I I, I get whatever. I I do understand. They're getting paid too much money to do what they're not doing, right? Um, however, you trade those guys, you're going to get a second or third or fourth round draft pick, or a second low is le- kind of high. I'm, I'm Huffman might get you a second somewhere, somehow, maybe. some way, some team, maybe, maybe Armia might get you a fourth round or a bad contract, <laughs> right? Armia might get you the same way they actually acquired Armia the first time they took a bad contract to get Armia. They might take a bad contract to get rid of Armia, like just an, you know, a bad expiring contracts so with the trade deadline. They can go out and get somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, you'll get something. Just because a guy doesn't work out in Montreal doesn't mean they won't work out somewhere else. This is like the John, we'll go back to Jonathan Druin. Colorado and Dallas have both showed interest in Jonathan Druin. There's a reason for that because maybe Jonathan Druin will be better as a secondary scorer with no pressure to actually score or do get points. Plus, he's going to play with better talent. Put his skill with better talent. On know, a lower line. On a lower line. And all of a sudden, he scores 20 goals and gets 60 points. And everyone's crying, oh, we didn't only got a second round pick for him. What the hell? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> Especially not on Facebook. It's true. So, and- but... You're not going to replace these guys with anyone. You're not going to replace them with anyone better. Like you get rid of Huffman, Yolonen's taking his spot. Maybe he will be better. He won't be this year, but he might be better in two years down the road. You know, get rid of Armia, Richard's taking his spot. Um, so whether you have them or whether you don't have them, it's not going to change the makeup of the team. It's not. The team's not going to get better if you get rid of them. They're not going to be worse, but they're not going to be better. Oh, and you got to keep in mind too that you need to keep some veteran players in the lineup because you don't want to just throw the youngsters to the wolves. I right. mean, if you had all the young players playing against Tampa Bay, granted, some of the veterans did make mistakes and they did get they did get burned for it. I mean, Tampa had you give them one opportunity, it was in the back of the net. That that's what happened the entire night, and. With the veterans there, you don't really care if their confidence wavers or you don't care if they're not developing their game further. Really, you don't. And the rebuild, the grand scheme of things, 
they really don't care the management team. But if you're throwing youngsters in there, like Yelonen, if Yelonen was in that that position with our where Armia is playing now, and he he consistently played the way Armia is playing now, which a lot of people would be happy with Yelonen playing like to that level. But is he developing? Is he improving? No. So you don't and, want that. And but if you go to the Tampa game, this is why Tampa is Tampa. And Montreal is Montreal right now. Montreal yeah. wants to be what Tampa is. And the way Montreal is going to have to do that is with this rebuild and with exactly the way you said it. Let these high-priced, underachieving veterans get burnt. Who cares? We don't. You know what I mean? Four of them are gone at the end of the year, whether we can trade them or not anyway, right? And guaranteed a guy like Huffman or Armia, you could get something for them sometime in the off season or at the trade deadline for something for something. Right. Uh, Especially Huffman because Huffman can play on the second or third line and give some contending team, the secondary scoring or the secondary shooter that they need to help boost that third line, third or maybe second line. Right. Um, Armia, you have a bad penalty kill. He's going to help your penalty. Kill. I'm sorry, but Armia's a great penalty killer. He is. That's if you're going to give him something, you got to give him that. Um, and the guy can. I. Our, he's an he's an enigma to me. The guy can stick handle in the box. He can look like friggin' Wayne Gretzky in the in the thing, and then all of a sudden, it goes nowhere. <laughs> it works for 37 seconds in the corner, gets the puck out just to throw it to nobody or take a shot that he never should have took in the first place. But I digress. <laughs> but well, when never, he was, he's never going to improve. That's the thing. Like you're never his development's yeah. done. All he is what he is, is. He is what he is, right? So, oh, I'll live with it. <laughs> and when he uh, when he earned this new contract that everyone hates, he was playing uh, uh, that possession game on a fourth line. What more do you want? Like you're, he's overpaid, yeah. yes, but a team that would take him would want him to play a possession game on a fourth line where he did his best hockey. So when he got that contract too, the year he got the contract, not so much, but the two years previous to that, if he stayed healthy a full year, he was a 20 goal scorer. He was on pace for well over 20 goals. Now the year he got the contract a little bit different. He had, he struggled that year and you kind of wonder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but I think Bergevin at the time thought, this guy's healthy. He can be a 20 goal scorer. He's worth at least three, three, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he got it out of, but anyway, the point I think of the matter that, is- uh, <laughs> they're stuck. Montreal stuck with him until the last year of his deal when they can Correct. just trade him off, yeah. get something in return and they're done. Hoffman. He's a guy that uh, a contending team that needs a little bit of help on a third line and on the power play would, wouldn't likely take a flyer on. Uh, or, or just a team that's in the playoffs. Same with same with Druin and Dadanov. Druin and Dadanov, yes, they're not playing well. Yes, they're not playing great. But I will bet you any money there'll be teams calling about them at the trade deadline. They'll try to get them for at least for low draft picks, like you know, tops maybe a second, maybe if it's a late pick, 
maybe I stretch, maybe <laughs> that's being positive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cause if you look at dad enough, he's a 20 goal scorer everywhere he was except Montreal. So they could look at that and just say, maybe this isn't, maybe it's just because he's in Montreal. Maybe he's not playing because of the system, maybe he's not playing because of the ice time, you know, but if we can get him, maybe he'll become this 20 goal scorer that we need him to be that third line, 20 goal scorer we need him to be. And so, and then if Hughes is smart, which we already know he is, he'll sit there and say, you know, he's probably that 20 goal scorer. It's just not working out here. I want this. You know what I mean? Because you're going to get value here. He's also not dumb. So I don't think he's going to try to go too high to see what he can get. But uh, I don't know. People are, the Tampa game proved to me, the game itself proved to me we're, we're nowhere close to where we want to be, but we're heading in the right direction. We're not as far away from it either. That, that's uh, what I mean. Like we're, we're a year or two with good draft picks and good free agent slash trade signing people. You know what I mean? Bringing in the right yeah. people in two or three years, we bring in the right people and we're going to be maybe not at Tampa's level, but maybe with the Rangers last year. You know what I mean? Where we're a playoff team, not quite rocks. a contender, not quite a contender, but we're only a piece or two away from that contender. Whereas right now we're three lines away from that contender. <laughs> <laughs> Three well, lines, look a goalie, at and four defensemen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you look at Tampa, they've got they've got key players in all the key positions. Yeah. Star players. You got Hedman, uh, you got uh, Point and Stamkos and Kucherov and on and on. Hagel on a third line, a guy who's who can score over 20 goals is on their third line. They have the depth, they have the the experience. They're a team that could use one of the players that we mentioned before, if the Canadians are willing to eat cap. So they'll, uh, their window is open for another year or two because the cap, their situation with the cap is it's difficult. Uh, and their team is aging out a little bit. Yeah. They've got a, still got a handful of younger guys, but their main stars their main players are starting to age out. So their window is now. So, Strike while the iron's hot. I do think they could win another cup before that that window closes. I mean, Christ, they got two in a row, then they lost in the final. They had a final a couple years before. It's, it's a team that could, that could still win a, a cup or two. So seeing the Canadians play the way they did during the rebuild against this type of team, controlling the five-on-five play, it, it bodes well because you're – you're giving developmental time to your younger guys like Sofkowski. He played over 14 minutes in that game. No one's saying that he played poorly. You you watch what he did in that game. He he looked like he belonged. He yeah he made a couple errors, but he's 18 and he's playing against Stanley Cup champions. I will say one thing about Sofkowski since he's moved up into that second uh, line play, his play has really moved up. He's really. His board work is getting a hell of a lot better. His uh, And you know what? I will credit a lot to Doc. Even though Doc, when he played center on that line, Doc played very well with the possession on that line. He's still got to work on his face-offs. 
But other than that, Doc is going to be a hell of a center. And uh, if he can get the face-off thing figured out. Um, but he drove that line, and Slavkowski looked better with him. And uh, to me, Slavkowski is getting better every game. It's the stuff away from the puck that he's getting better with, that he struggled with mightily when he first came in. Um, there's no question he can pass. Slavkowski very rarely misses a pass. Um, and we know he can shoot. We've seen that. But it's uh, it's his work off the puck that he has to work with, and that's improving every game. Well, Doc, in that game against Tampa, he was 50% in the face-off circle. Yeah. He didn't take a ton of face-offs, but he was still 50%, yeah. which is a, a, a far cry from the 32% that he was the year before. So he is improving. It's, you know, it, it's incremental. There's a lot of work left to be done, but he still, he still looks like he's going to be that second line center that the Canadians wanted. Like that's, that's where they're pushing him towards. They want yeah. to make sure that they give him the chance to at least show he belongs or not before they move him off to the wing. <laughs> and on, on that top line, Anderson is a black hole for that top line. He's yeah. kind of dragging them down with their possession numbers. So but see, that's maybe the push issue. him back with Slavkovsky because those two played well together. But see, that's the issue with Doc is Doc made that line really well. That yeah. He fits really well on that line. However, he's not in the position they want him to be in. So it's kind of a catch-22. <laughs> do we want one of the best lines in the AHL or do we want to develop our young 22-year-old center into an actual center? So judging from what I hear Hughes and Gordon say, we don't care about right now. We care about two, three years from now. I think you're going to see less of Doc on that top line. And you're going to see a rotation of players on that top line until they figure someone out. And then, you know, Hey, you know what? Give her me a try on that top line. Why not? Can't do any worse. Mm -hmm. And Overall, for the Canadians, in not just this game, but the last few, um, I've noticed that their their shot attempts are less and less from the boards and more and more towards the center. If you look at the heat maps over the last few games, you're seeing a lot of red at the top of the crease in that slot. And to me, that shows that they're 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 working towards playing that that type of hockey that'll score that'll get you those goals they're they're going to the net more they're it, i think it also helps that they have a lot more guys with size it's not just the old smurfs anymore it's, it's the problem with montreal is the five on five there's no issue with it. it's the power play just kills all their momentum like the well, power plays have yeah. the opposite effect of what a power play should have um uh, they were what zero for seven, I think, against Anaheim or something like that. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Uh, I was at the Ottawa game, and their first power play it looked good, but the problem is, is all they do is pass it around. There's no, and everyone just stands in their spot. There's no movement. There's no. Every once in a while, uh, Suzuki will come in and try to get into the get into the 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 bumper. You know, two people into the bumper there. And then Caulfield will come out. But other than that, everyone knows Suzuki or Caulfield are the shooter. Everyone on that ice knows it. So when Suzuki has the puck, they overplay Caulfield. When Suzuki doesn't have the puck, they overplay Suzuki. 
and pretty much ignore everybody else on the ice. And the big reason they ignore them is they don't do anything. They just stand there. And I mean, and you watch Anaheim's, they got a guy that goes behind the net and you got two guys coming into the net creating havoc and almost they have a choice. Do I go to the right or the left? You know what I mean? Like, because what happens is when those two guys come in, you see these two guys kind of go to the center, right? And then they try to focus on whoever they think the puck's going to go to. One guy's almost left open. And uh, Montreal, Montreal just does this slingshot thing when they get in there. And, and as soon as they lose the zone, the power play's over. As soon as they lose the zone, the power play's done. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> you know, and it's just – and you would think with guys like – uh, Suzuki and Caulfield on the ice and Slavkowski now on the, on the top power play line, you'd think it'd be a little bit better, but it's not. It's actually you'd worse. Think. <laughs> it's actually getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, they're even giving up shots and scoring chances against when they're on the wow. power play. Now, I don't know what Burroughs is doing. I don't know what uh, St. Louis, St. Louis seeing, but uh they never change anything, and everything looks the same. Could be a reason why their power play is now the worst in the NHL. The problem is, it's the worst in the NHL, but it still has a better percentage than it did last year. So it's really, it's kind of weird. <laughs> so it, it's improved, but it's still bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you're do when you're going through the rebuild like they are, and your fans are watching these games. You need more. You need that power play to kind of keep you in games, maybe even put you ahead earlier on, just to build build momentum instead of sucking that momentum out of it. Um, and now we look at where the Canadians are now, past 30 games. They're pretty much where we, we said they would be before the season started. Bottom 10. But yeah. for a while, yeah, a while there, people thought, man, this team's way better than we thought. If – they had a power play that shot around 20%, 22%. They probably would be fighting for a playoff spot right now. No question about it. Um, this was the first time they've lost three games in a row this year, um, which is another positive. It's a, that's a positive thing, right? Um, the problem is, is Montreal's in a spot now where the bottom, they're not going to fall far enough to catch the bottom five to pick draft bottom five. They're just not. Uh, Anaheim, San Jose, uh, Arizona, all them teams are probably going to stay around the bottom five. However, they're probably going to finish bottom. I say they're going to pick seventh or eighth. That's where I think they're going to end up picking, seven, around seventh or eighth. I'm hoping Florida drops. Because Florida's not playing all that much better, to be honest with them, Montreal. Uh, right now, Montreal has ninth, and I think Florida has the 13th pick. So they have two picks in the top 15. Uh, if that's how it ends up, even if it's 9 and 15, that's still a massive, massive win for mm -hmm. Hughes. Because this draft, you're looking at players who would be uh, that are going to be drafted at the end of the first. You put them in years prior. You're looking at guys who might have gone 15th, 10th, somewhere in there. Yeah. So it, it bodes really, really well to get two solid prospects. So that's that's huge for the Canadians. So I, I do figure 
they'll their own pick will be around where you said i think somewhere between seven and ten and if somehow they can they can sort it out so they can make a couple of trades to teams around florida and push florida down you know do the old uh sam pollock with the uh lafleur trades that would be helpful i Um, think uh i think it would be awesome if florida finished in the lottery and won it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Montreal finished seventh and Florida bumped right up to like second or third because they won the lotto and I just that'd be amazing I'd be like oh yeah I'll take Fantali please <laughs> oh my god if that happened and I, I seriously doubt that will but if it ever did I don't know what I'd do like do we I think that that the episode of that show whatever episode we we record at that time is just going to be an hour of us giggling. I think they should retire Ben Sherratt's number if that happens. Oh, yes. Hang number eight up in the rafters. (laughs) Put him in the ring of honor. (laughs) Why is he there? Because son, we traded him and got one of the greatest players ever. (laughs) There you go. Now, moving on from that to uh, continue talking a little bit about the rebuild in that Mike Matheson. So Matheson in the game against Tampa played well over 22 minutes. He he played in every role, every situation. He's clearly the number one defenseman for the Canadians. And he didn't look that bad in that game. Now, uh, as we record, it is Monday the 19th or is it Tuesday? I can't tell. It's Monday. I don't remember. Ah, oh, yes, it's Monday. Oh, it's been so busy. I, I can't even remember what day it is. But um, he's been, it's been said that he's stayed in Montreal to get reassessed. And he is out indefinitely, which means more ice time for the kids. Like Gooley, who played an amazing game against Tampa, even set up Suzuki's goal. Um, But that does bring up some issues. We were talking about it prior to the show. Uh, with with Savard out and now Matheson, they only got six defensemen. Who do they call up? You you mentioned Baudouin, uh, Baudet, but I think Barron gets his call because he has played exceptionally well all season long for Laval. And he's right-handed and can play on a power play. Well, he has almost a point per game in Laval so far this year. I think they said he had 20 points in his last 23 games or something like that. Or... He's got well, he had 12 points in the first 20 games. Yeah, that yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, okay. Um, and Laval, believe it or not, even though they are having a shitty year, are one of the top offensive teams in the AHL this year. Yeah. The problem is, is defensively they're terrible. Uh... <laughs> Horrible defensively. But I think that has to do with the fact that their defense is made up of mostly offensive defensive defenseman um yeah the balance isn't there it really is there's no yeah like they're 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 a lot of offensively minded defensemen now baron um we talked about this before and baron's a bit of a late starter it takes him a little bit to get his groove on takes him a little bit to get it and and then that was kind of proven because he had a terrible preseason with montreal but once he got kind of the his legs under him in Laval, like you said, in the last, he has 12 points in his last 20 games. Um, 
I believe he had three points in the last game they just played. Was that Boydwin? One of them over the weekend, one of the games he played over the weekend, he had three points, I think, in the first period. Uh, the game they lost there to the Monsters there on Saturday. Um, and he's shown that he is what, uh, or he could be, at least he is in the AHL, what Hughes and that traded for him. Um, I do believe Barron's an NHL defenseman. Top four, maybe not, but, you know, he's, he's a guy. Four. He's he's a guy that, you can, like you say, you can throw in the power play. You know, he's going to play a fairly good offensive game. He can move the puck. He can skate. He can, I mean, you know him better than anyone. You've you've coached him a little bit or you, you, you've worked with him a little bit and uh, here in Halifax. And uh, I, I I just don't know if they want to take Bo, where he's being successful in the AHL. I think I said Baudouin over Barron just because I think they want to keep his momentum going and bring him, you know what I mean? That that's yeah. the only reason why I was going with Baudouin. I, I'm okay with either one because Baudouin's playing very good hockey there as well. Uh, Richard finally got his call up because of its play with Pitlick going down, um, which again surprised me because they didn't have to put Pitlick down into the uh, with Savard out. So I think True, that was more of a balance. So of the, many forwards, you know. You, yeah, that, thirteen forwards and. So, but, and he's going to play tonight against Arizona. So we'll see how well he does. Who knows? Maybe he found his resurgence because he's, he's not a rookie. He's a vet. He has over a hundred games, NHL games. So it's not like Richard has Who's not that? played. Uh, Richard. He's got two. I thought he had like, I thought he played like a bunch of NHL games. No, a shitload of AHL games, but now he's going to rocket his way to the top. Oh, here we go. Is he going to be the third Richard to score for the Canadians? That's right. He is the space age rocket. Oh, Jesus. You know how long, as soon as they sign this guy, he's only 25. Keep in mind, he's only 25 years old. He's leading the AHL in scoring. Now he, he, he comes up and he could be one of these guys that takes a little bit longer to, uh, to hit their stride. I'm not saying this is going to be the next Rocket Richard. Maybe oh. he's just a Richard. I thought he had anyway. I thought he had an initial game. Yeah, sorry, my bad. No, just a um, couple. Uh, but I think if he gets he gets a, a true opportunity to play in a top nine with some decent players, we're going to see something good out of him because he is leading the AHL in scoring. He and when he is playing, uh, if, if anyone's watched Laval play this year they'll have seen that this is a guy that has been the best player on the ice out of any of the teams on the ice all season long. He's really been a class above. Now, is he, is he a class above where he is an NHL player now, or is he a class above as in he is the next Charles Sudo? Yeah. And hoping that's what you got to see. He's an NHL. He's playing yeah. on the fourth line against Arizona. Uh, basically just, he's basically taking Pitlick's spot on the fourth line. Basically is what he's doing. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see how he does. I mean, Montreal hasn't gotten a lot of offense off that fourth line, but maybe he can infuse some into it. Um, or any. He has been. Really. <laughs> him and Yolonen have been dynamic for uh, the Laval this year. Um, yeah. 
they're both really leading the way. I think Yelonen's in the top ten of scoring in the in the AHL, uh, or he's close to it. Top anyway. twenty, I think he's in the I'd top have to twenty. Look it up. But uh, he's been really Yelonen's been really hot lately. Uh, the issue is, is Laval has no players, so <laughs> um, because of injuries and you know this this with Richard getting called up, you call it now. Montreal is going to be in Arizona with only 21 players to start with the Savard and uh, Matheson not going. So either Gallagher is closer to being back than we think um, and or whatever. But as of right now, they got 21 players. A lot of it has to do with the fact that Laval has four games this week. They just played two games on the weekend. They got two more games early this week, tonight, and – Thursday, I think. I'd have to look at the schedule. Let me just bring that up. Um, so they need players. So if you take all their players, I mean, it's not like they're playing all that great anyway. They're not really winning a whole lot of games, but still, they still need players. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I'm just bringing I, I up ex- the AHL app. I expect Baron or Baudouin to be in uh, two join Montreal sometime along this uh, seven-game road trip. Personally. My personal opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think so. I think there's a few guys that deserve to call up. And Richard was at the top of my list because of the way he's played. Yolonen's there. Barron's there. Um, so it, it does make sense. It's 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 just hard to see like why they would go with just six defensemen. That's a problem, especially if someone gets hurt. Yeah, and that's the thing. What happens if there's an injury and you're out in Arizona? It's going to take some time to fly guys out. Uh, not that I've paid too too much attention to schedules and. NHL stuff just because we're getting prepared for the world juniors here and we're going to be working at it. So it's taken a lot more of my time away that, and you know, prepping for Christmas with the family. Um, but either way, uh, the Canadians are going to slide into the Christmas break here. The, the players are going to get a few days off. They're going to see family. They're going to have some Turkey. And then the dreaded post Christmas road trip kicks off and we're going to see exactly what kind of team this is. I think this is the the telling this is going to be the most telling part of the season for this team. And then we're going to see the direction that they're going to take. Who is going to be more valued in the trade blocks? Uh currently, you know, Edmondson is being talked about quite a bit. So we'll see what happens. So um that pretty much does it for this episode. Did you have any final thoughts? No, not really. Just uh, you and I in the next couple of weeks will be concentrating on the World Juniors. We're going to be representing the hockey writers there as media members. Um, if anyone has questions or anything we want to keep an eye on or any player we want to keep an eye on, let us know. Uh, I'll do my best, uh, you know. Um, I don't know if we'll be at every game together because, again, we have families and we have other jobs and stuff like that. So we're going to do what we can. We'll be at the important games, that's for sure. Um 
uh, and we'll try to make it to all the uh, Montreal Canadiens prospect games, the prospects that are playing in those games, the ones here in Halifax anyway. So going back to a tweet that was put out when we said starting prelims on the 20th, that's in Halifax, not in Moncton. I get there's prelims in Moncton tonight on the 19th, but there's none in Halifax. So. Uh, Moncton? What's, what is a Moncton? Moncton is this black hole in the Maritimes. That when you go into it, you lose all sense of time and reality. People like Matt Smith come from there. <laughs> and he would be here to uh, defend Moncton, except that he is now in a black hole called Moncton. That is why Matt's not here. He is in Moncton. And because there's no internet in Moncton, he's not here. Well, some places have internet, but once the horse and buggy gets there, it's a week later. So it's true. That's true. For them, the internet is some old guy on a on a megaphone. <laughs> so Robert Borg is now prime minister. <laughs> they just yeah. expanded to Toronto. The <laughs> NHL has been born. Uh, Moncton, we love you because you make us feel better about ourselves. <laughs> Moncton is like the Jerry Springer show of the Maritimes. <laughs> oh, what? So, what do they chant? D yep, D yep, D yep. <laughs> All right. Um, for me, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, please enjoy these holidays to our to our Jewish friends, listeners, family. We want to wish you a happy Hanukkah. Uh, to our Catholics and Christians, Merry Christmas. Uh, to whatever other holiday you celebrate this time of year, no matter what it is, be it Kwanzaa or Festivus, we wish you the best of holidays. And... We hope to enjoy a holiday with you. Maybe we'll get another episode in before Christmas, but if we don't, thank you for listening. Enjoy the holidays and please enjoy responsibly. Do not drink and drive. If you do drink, find an alternate way to get home because we don't want any of you getting hurt because we care about you. But don't call a horse and buggy and monk. It'll take forever. No, the horses are usually drunk there too. Yeah, true. They've been eating those uh, fermented apples. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, 
Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.